Welcome to Jerusalem Studio Podcast. Join us to discuss the latest updates from Israel and the region. Shalom and welcome to Jerusalem Studio. Strategic interests and personal relationships are mixed in international strategy and diplomacy. After almost four months in power, the Israeli government seems to enjoy from both in its dealings with the major Arab countries bordering it. Egypt and Jordan warmed up to Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, Defense Minister Benny Gantz and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid were seemingly on the same page regarding Israel's security needs. It is important to stress that while outstanding disputes pertaining to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict challenge Jerusalem's keen aspiration to normalize relations with additional Arab states, the common threat posed to the Jewish state and the Sunni Arab world by the revolutionary Shiite Islamic Republic of Iran serves as a trigger to what appears to turn into inevitable Jewish-Arab rapprochement. So how can one reconcile the brighter horizon over Cairo, Amman, and Abu Dhabi with the dark clouds over the Gaza Strip and Ramallah? Joining us to analyze this topic from northern Israel is Colonel in Reserve Dr. Anan Wahabi, Senior Fellow at the ICT in Herzliya at Reichmann University and a lecturer at Haifa University as well. Thank you for joining us, sir. Also joining us from Central Israel is Ambassador Dr. Dan Shacham, who is former head of Israel's mission to Irena, Abu Dhabi, and the United Arab Emirates. Thank you for joining us as well, sir. Shalom. Thank you. And with us here in the studio is our TV7 analyst and uh, host of TV7's Watchman Talk, Mr. Amir Oren. Amir, give us a broader understanding on today's topic. Well, you know, Jonathan, I'm still puzzled, uh, even a year later, at the term Abraham. Um, regarding the accords. Obviously, uh, Abraham was the father of uh, Isaac or Isaac and uh, Ishmael or, or uh, um, Ismail. Ismail. Um, and we have Ismail Raisi, and uh, we used to have Yitzhak Rabin and Yitzhak uh, Shamir. But um, a Jewish-Muslim accord uh, we had um, uh, 40 years ago. Um, and and more with the first Israeli-Egyptian uh, agreement. But uh, be it uh, as it may, obviously it was an important milestone, even though some of the uh, agreements were only a sort of a refresher, because during the Oslo period, Israel already had uh, improved relations with some of the countries in the Maghreb and even um, in the Gulf. The most important normalization agreement which Israel had over the last year was with itself. Israel has normalized its governmental uh, situation by finally putting an end to the election cycle, having a government in place for how long we don't know, but uh, uh, as of now, it is working, it is acceptable to the countries in the region but with a caveat. Uh, Yes, they all want, especially the Sunni Muslim countries, uh, which see uh, Shiite Iran as a threat, they all want uh, to have better relations with Israel, partly as um, a bridge to Washington. But they also want to have the Palestinian conflict solved once and for all, and if not in the near future, at least see a path 
towards some progress which will eventually take this thorn out of the side of the region. Indeed, I'd, I'd like to bring Ambassador Shacham into the, the discussion. Ambassador, uh, you were in Abu Dhabi uh, as uh, the head of mission uh, at a time of the International Renewable Energy Agency uh, representing Israel there. And uh, while being there, you were also the only foreign ministry representative in the country uh, in charge with uh, preparatory work to opening an embassy and, of course, in the process of uh, the, the relations being forged in the overt sphere. Uh, you were privy to the whole process there. Uh, give us an understanding on this uh, mechanism, if you will, uh, between Israel and Arab nations who are keen on normalizing relations. By the t- same time, uh, the, the situation on the ground is not always ripe for such a scenario. Indeed. We have uh, the capacity to see how the preparation that we had throughout the years and the presence on the ground in a variety of levels, officials like me, and non-officials who were already working the ground based on the common interest. We have a common interest. And when the time was ripe, we were able to move forward. The ability to determine what is the right time for this is crucial. And in that sense, the ability to seize the moment, and we did. Uh, In this regard, the readiness of the two sides, we are talking about hundreds of thousands of people coming in and a lot of deals uh, being uh, executed and we were given some numbers uh, by the Emiratis, like 700 millions in the first year and they're hoping for 1 billion until the end of this year. So the time was right. So mechanisms are in place to prepare everything and the Palestinian issues that were always at the background, were seen as something that was, as I remind you, part of the Abrahamic Accord, had a component of a Palestinian uh, component in it in which the Emiratis did have to take into consideration. So in that sense, the Palestinian topic is always there, but it's not the crucial component. The crucial component was the preparatory work the common interest and being very much in tune with what is going on now and how can we make best use of what's possible. Indeed. So that was, uh, I think, a, a brilliant diplomatic work by the three leaders, um, former uh, President uh, Trump, uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and of course the Crown Prince uh, Mohammed bin Zayed. Uh, we really understood that there is a possibility and we're not afraid to move on, and other countries followed. Indeed. Uh, however, one of those countries which Israel aspired would follow uh, did not, uh, the, speaking of course about the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, at the time we hear Jerusalem officials repeatedly say uh, that uh, they have a keen interest here in Jerusalem to see relations with Riyadh normalized. Uh, Dr. Wabi, how do you see this? And to what degree are the common interests uh, still lacking 
the capacity to uh, materialize some sorts of overt relationship that would not necessarily end with a overflight. Yeah, we should remember that there is a, a political nature in the Middle East and the political culture that lead to this sometimes the overt uh, connections and the, mostly the covert under the table a connection between states, even between the Arab states themselves. Uh, and of course with Israel. Uh, after the big wars, there was a little step-by-step uh, -step, uh, um, acceptance of the state of Israel as part of the region. And lately, I can uh, talk about the last decade in particular, the uh, post-Arab Spring and the post-failure of the brothers in, in Egypt. And of course, the Iranian threat, this took all this discussion of coordination and collaboration that covertly uh, was done and conducted to put it uh, on the table, first between governments and little by little, and we can see that uh, especially in the Gulf states, also with people, between the people of Israel and the people of the Gulf states, hoping that uh, later on, uh, uh, more people in the Middle East, uh, more peoples in the Middle East, in the sta neighboring state, state uh, uh, Arab states, uh, will also acknowledge the, the state of Israel as a Jewish state uh, and move towards peace uh, together uh, among peoples. Um, uh, the circumstances of the Iranian threat was the push, the real push of changing the political order and uh, this uh, evolving uh, uh, era uh, of, uh, first of all, the superpowers are coming again uh, to the Middle East and to examine the, the strategies. Uh, uh, and of course, the regional states, and there are in particular uh, Turkey, that tried to come again to the Middle East as a regional power and was rejected by Arab states. And of course, the Persian Shiite uh, country is uh, totally rejected by the Arab uh, states from the Gulf till the, uh, the Maghreb states and uh, of course Egypt. Uh, uh, this um, created a new atmosphere that uh, they are accepting the state of Israel as a partner in the Middle East. They are much more common ground of interests rather than hostility and aggression uh, and contradic contradictory uh, 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 strategies. Uh, Israel is not anymore the Zionist entity inside the Arab body that represents uh, uh, Western uh, uh, interests. No, Israel is part of this region. And what's going to happen in my uh, imagination that first of all, uh, we will see that there is wider reconciliation with the state of Israel. Now we are hearing the uh, tribes of Iraq are talking about normalization, pushing for normalization with Israel, that the Iraq state um, want uh, those uh, uh, Sunni Arab tribes from central Iraq want Iraq to be part of this normalization. I, in my imagination, can see uh, the future Syria and Lebanon also part of this normal normalization with Israel. And then uh, the Palestinian issue will be put on the table again. Indeed, Mr. Owen. Um, what happened uh, in the uh, 1990s 
and uh, into the uh, first decade of uh, this millennium was that the Americans have started to gain um, some experience on the ground in the Middle East following the 1991 war with Iraq and basing their troops uh, in the region and starting having uh, relations. But they fell under the illusion following the disintegration of the Soviet Union and the end of the Cold War, that the march of history is towards what they call their freedom agenda. And that, of course, uh, contradicted what Anand just described as the political culture in the Middle East. Condoleezza Rice, for instance, uh, when she was Secretary of State uh, in the second uh, George W. Bush administration, believed that she can bring what she called uh, full, free, and fair elections everywhere in the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iraq, Palestine, many other places. And uh, reality hit hard. And um, um, while Israel always prides itself on being the so-called only democracy in the Middle East, it turns out that other countries are not having such a grand time experimenting with democracy. And the Americans have learned that stability is more important than democracy in the Middle East, which is why monarchies and sheikdoms and other oildoms um, have survived. Um, and um, this realization helped both the Trump administration and now the Biden administration uh, get to terms with uh, Abdel Fattah Sisi in Egypt, even though um, his human rights record is not what the progressive uh, wing uh, of the Democratic Party uh, likes to see. And we saw only a few days ago that, for instance, uh, there is a new strategic dialogue between the United States and Cyprus as part of what you referred to regarding the East Med that this new grouping of uh, Israel, Greece, Egypt, Cyprus, perhaps Italy and France and the United States, and who knows, maybe Turkey, the arch rival of Greece and others would sometimes join. The East Med Forum, of course, speaking uh, uh, about the organization, uh, would allow us to enhance uh, cooperation on, on energy uh, uh, interest. But with that being said, uh, I'd like to ask Ambassador Shacha, when, when we're looking on the momentum, you spoke earlier about timing and the essence of timing. Uh, initially, Israel started with the UAE, then Bahrain came into the picture. Then uh, we saw uh, basically Sudan lagging behind and then also uh, Morocco taking part in, in this discussion. But uh, the momentum that was uh, back when uh, the Abraham Accords were then uh, signed into a treaty, uh, this momentum seemed to be lost to a certain degree, or is this just a, a short delay into seeing additional countries partake? Of course, uh, Dr. Wahabi spoke about the Iraqi tribesmen speaking about this, but they're a small minority within Iraq. Uh, who are not necessarily in power as they used to in the past, which, uh, while it is a welcome sentiment from central Iraq, it's not necessarily the uh, Baghdad central government official position. How do you see that from a diplomat's perspective? I think that it's uh, something in between. 
it's not at all stop and it's not going to happen uh, in the next few days that the next country or countries will join in. Another component is uh, how stable is the country. Amir Oren spoke about the issue of stability and a country needs to be stable enough uh, and has a, a decision uh, making mechanism that is possible within leadership with some coordination with the people that it's not too much against that kind of a thing because we are talking about paradigm shift uh, about relations with Israel and we see it in Iraq. Israel represented for many years something and following the Arab Spring I think that kind of consideration where is the problem or what do we want to be? Do we want to be a failed state or a state that can move forward in technology, human rights, or whatever one wants to describe this package as, what does Israel represent? Indeed. And in that sense, I think that uh, uh, the right way, uh, if I was uh, to be advice giver to anyone, it uh, was to look for countries that are stable enough in order to make that kind of a move and that they have an interest. Let's not forget, uh, countries make uh, uh, decisions upon interest there is there is an ideological component also uh, in the part of the uae there was a, a wish to make a statement a statement that they were ripe for about what is the right way for a modern arab approach towards israel and they said we have a lot of relations with christian nations why not with the jewish nation why is israel such a taboo we don't see it as a taboo. Yes, there are issues, but it's not a taboo. And I think that ability to go beyond the fixed notions of the Khartoum Declaration, and by the way, it is funny that Sudan made uh, peace in some way or another, uh, but the ability to overcome old notions, uh, to, to understand that moving forward rather than sticking to old lines, party lines, or whatever forum lines uh, is a possibility so you need some courage so there you have i think that you have enough countries in the middle east uh, i i was thinking of that morocco is going to be the right choice and there is a country near it that we had diplomatic relations before indeed who knows if if that country would want but the country which is still unstable very unstable will have it difficult uh, to uh, make that decision because the internal uh, controversy, and you see it in Iraq, uh, the internal controversies and the internal issues are sometimes too big. And Israel is a symbol, it's not the key point. So a person will need to decide if they want to go for the symbol or for the key issues to deal with. Dr. Wabi, of course, uh, with aspirations to establish a, a peace uh, highway, if you will, from Egypt to Syria, uh, with uh, Swiss Dorian, uh, Lebanon being part of that equation, uh, it seems not to be right because of a single issue. Of course, there are multiple issues, but the, the main issue is, uh, which you define correctly, the Islamic Republic of Iran aspiring to uh, engage in regional competition with its uh, Sunni Muslim adversaries, but also with Israel, obviously, which uh, has slowly emerged as part of those Abraham Accords uh, as uh, a counter uh, 
uh, weight to Iranian influence in this region. Uh, to what degree do you see countries at a time when they're facing domestic, I would like to call it uh, a, a identity crisis, or not necessarily identity crisis, but a uh, reality check crisis, where they, they're not yet sure whether to open uh, up uh, their dealings with Israel on a public uh, uh, sphere, or to do so uh, in the back channels that are uh, or have been part of uh, exchanges for the past several years. To what degree do you see this materialize into something more concrete? Of course, we saw, we saw the IDF shift or Israel shift from uh, the EUCOM to CENTCOM now sitting together with the uh, Americans on the same war council or military council with Arab neighbors, uh, something that was uh, unprecedented uh, since uh, just uh, as of late. How do you see all of this develop? Yeah, uh, first of all, we should remember that uh, the uh, Arab states and the Arab world uh, will not accept any hegemony, uh, a cultural hegemony of the Persians or the Turks anymore. Uh, and of course, will not live under the military dominance of those uh, countries in the region. Uh, in this sense, they see themselves ma uh, much more closer to the state of Israel uh, generally speaking, than to those uh, Islamic uh, states, uh, if I may say. Uh, and inside, internally, you're asking about uh, the, the internal uh, politics inside the, those countries. I think that the new generation is, uh, is shifting to a global one, understanding that this uh, little state, Israel in the Middle East, that is uh, very developed and they uh, with technologies and cyber and the and high tech is also coming with uh, with a lot of opportunities of cooperation and rebuilding uh, this area. Uh, we can see that uh, those countries see the threat of Iran eye to eye together with Israel and um, uh, the uh, the shifting of uh, you know um, uh, positioning Israel uh, uh, into the area of uh, of CENTCOM is in my understanding, is a crucial step. Uh, uh, is not. It was announced in the, um, last uh, January, and we can see little by little they, they are deepening the cooperation, regionally speaking. Uh, there are several joint exercises uh, uh, together with Arab neighboring countries. It's a new reality. It's a new reality. Um, we have the uh, F-35 jets and, the, and also... Uh, the naval forces are also exercising together. It's a new reality that uh, it will influence as well uh, the new generation and they will be part of this new uh, atmosphere. I think that uh, if we look uh, ahead, there are a lot of dilemmas. It's a formative uh, period of time that uh, the, the new political order is, is emerging uh, uh, and they, they uh, Countries like uh, the U.S., of course, and Russia, which is here uh, now in the Middle East to influence and maybe to stay uh, and to, to play a very major role in the new uh, politics in the Middle East, uh, they are going to influence the new reality. Uh, this will not move forward without putting an end to the Iranian threat uh, um, that uh, it should uh, uh, take out the troops from uh, uh, Syria, 
uh, and of course to reduce the influence from Lebanon. We see that uh, uh, later on Hezbollah will uh, have to disarm uh, its militia and to be part of the, to integrate inside the political system in Lebanon. And this new uh, political order will bring upon uh, stability. And there are dilemmas, of course, whether uh, Iran is moving to a new nuclear deal or that the military action should be put again on the table later on. And we can see that Hamas is shifting its politics right now. Hamas in the in Gaza Strip, in the Palestinian sphere, they are much more pragmatic. They are uh, already addressing the new uh, evolving reality of accepting Israel, of uh, integrating uh, inside the Arab uh, sphere, uh, apart from uh, Iranian influence. And this is the new reality that, that can I, uh, I can imagine. Indeed, uh, speaking about Hamas, it's, it's quite interesting, this dynamic, uh, considering the fact that there have been signals from Ankara towards Jerusalem about seeking to uh, alleviate the tensions that have been in the room for quite some time. Of course, Qatar, it's quite understandable that even though it does not recognize Israel, at the same time, it's, it's working with Israel about alleviating tensions in Gaza. And uh, many of those Muslim Brotherhood, quote unquote, countries are looking to uh, find common ground with Israel, uh, maybe because of the new administration in, in Washington, which Israel is still seen as, as a possible bridge to uh, the United States. Both uh, Turkey and Qatar are playing the Hamas card um, because uh, Israel uh, has to take into consideration not only Hamas, but whoever can fund it, can arm it. Those countries uh, can, uh, when they decide to have their relations with Israel, can uh, either help Hamas or stop helping it. But by the same token, uh, one of the most important assets which Israel has is the perception that it is not only a staunch U.S. ally, but the U.S. is Israel's main uh, backer. And therefore, it sometimes behooves the Israeli leadership to concede a little to Washington in order for this perception uh, to, uh, to still be in the eyes of, of uh, the region. And, uh, you know, the, the much maligned um, formula of peace for territory took hold in the Moroccan-Israeli relationship. Peace with Israel for Western Sahara, which the Americans will recognize as being uh, under Morocco. Uh, so it is a trilateral, a trilateral sort of, of a deal because in the Middle East, you don't give something for nothing. You want to show even your people, even if it's not a democracy, you want to show them that you have given something and gotten something in return. Indeed. Well, uh, unfortunately, this is all the time that we have for today, but we will revisit this topic in the near future. I'd like to thank uh, Ambassador Shacham and Dr. Colonel Wahabi for, for participating in today's panel. And I'd like to thank our TV7 analyst, Mr. Amir Ogan, as well, as well as our viewers. And we will see you next time. Thank you for joining us in another Jerusalem Studio podcast. For more content on Israel and its region, we invite you to visit our website at tv7israelnews.com and follow us on social media.